You'll see I've got my lovely wife and my awesome Sunday school kiddos in here with me this morning. And uh, just, uh, I'm, I've already assured them of this, that you guys are awesome and easy to speak in front of. And so just please don't do anything weird that's going to trump that for some reason this morning. Because uh, something that we're going to be talking about today is something that Trisha and I have actually been working with these kiddos today, or with, I guess, for the past couple weeks. And so when uh, Kirk had given me the opportunity to speak for this Sunday, I thought it would be great to kind of have them help teach some of the concepts that I want to teach with you because it's going to pertain to what we've been talking about in here, what you've been hearing about from Kirk about the Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you, but I've, I've loved every single Sunday. In fact, I think on Saturday, I went back and re-listened to the last three sermons again that Kirk preached on the Holy Spirit. I just think it's been such good content. And, uh, and my hope today, I guess, is to try to continue on with that. And so I'd love for you to turn your Bible for me this morning. We're going to open uh, in John chapter 14. And John chapter 14, and I know I've said this several times, but John chapter 14, John chapter 15, John chapter 16, John chapter 17, those are some of my favorite passages of the Bible. Again, this is kind of Jesus's uh, kind of last lessons that he's giving to the disciples before he's going to go to the cross. And so there's some really good content all throughout the Bible, obviously. But I just, I love these nuggets that Jesus is dropping. And a lot of the times they seem like pretty big nuggets. And I think we're still digesting some of these nuggets today that he dropped with his disciples. But that's where I kind of wanted to start because it, we're seeing a transition. Kirk preached last Sunday uh, from the beginning of Luke. And, uh, and he was going through the story of Jesus' birth, right? And we know that one of the names for Jesus, according to the Bible, is Emmanuel. And kiddos, what does Emmanuel mean? God with us. God with us, exactly, exactly. But what's great is we're seeing a transition now through the latter half of John, and it's no longer... God with us, but kiddos, it's not God with us, it's going to be God, do you remember what it is? In God in us, okay? And that's the transition that takes place, is it's going from God with us to God within us, or God in us. And that's what I want you to see in John chapter 14. We're going to pick up in verse number 15 here of John 14. And this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. He says, if you love me, you will obey what I command and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Anybody have a different word other than counselor in their Bible? Comforter. Say that again. Comforter. Comforter. Helper. Helper. Yep, yep. So which is it? Is it counselor, is it comforter, or is it helper? All it's all of them. It's all of them. It's, it's a big Greek word that means a lot of things, okay? And we have that in our language too, right? If I say, man, it's cool, right? What does cool mean? Well, it could be temperature, it could be awesome, it could be lots of different things, right? And so the reality is, in the Greek language, you got the same situation, right? And so that word, counselor, comforter, helper, advisor, okay, it all is derived from the same Greek word, and that Greek word is paraclete, 
Okay? And when Kirk talked a long time ago on the names of the Holy Spirit, that was one of the names that he mentioned is the paraclete. And so paraclete means those words. It means comforter. It means helper. It means counselor. It means an advocate. Okay? Somebody who argues on your behalf. Okay? Somebody who's working for you. Okay? And so that's kind of the unpacked version or meaning behind that word counselor in my Bible or that Greek word paraclete. I will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Okay, and I'm reading from the New International Version. Okay, and so Jesus is getting ready to leave his disciples and he's trying to give them, you know, this last pep talk, right? I'm going out. What am I going to give my kids? Okay, my followers, what am I going to teach them? This is my last opportunity. This is my last lesson. What's it going to be on? And he's, and he's telling them about how he's going away, but for the sake of sending someone to come and dwell in us. And so we see this transition from Emmanuel, God with us, to uh, God within us, or the paraclete. And something that Kirk preached and mentioned in a sermon not that long ago, it was really profound, and he said it kind of fast, and maybe you didn't catch it when he said it, but he said the Holy Spirit fills us for life. Okay, the Holy Spirit fills us for life, okay? And I think you use the, uh, the story about Bezalel from Exodus, who's filled with the Holy Spirit for the sake of building stuff, Right? And, and Bezalel was already a craftsman. He already did that stuff. And so we see the Holy Spirit filling him to do what he's already been doing. Okay? And, and maybe that's not profound to you, but to me that is. Because we, we have this tendency, um, we're going to be talking about hearing God's voice and learning to live a life that's led by the Spirit. And I think we have a tendency to swing from two ends of the spectrum where we either over-spiritualize this, hearing God's voice and being led by the Spirit, okay? Or we tend to despiritualize it, okay? We either make it more than it is or we make it way less than what it is, okay? And so my hope is through the conversations that I'm going to have with you today is I want you to realize that there is a middle ground and I want to help you to find that middle ground because the Holy Spirit does want to fill you for everyday, normal, boring life, okay? He wants to fill you for that. He doesn't want to just fill you when you're sitting in here. He doesn't want to just fill you when that favorite song comes in the favorite bridge of that favorite song, and this is my cue to raise my hands in the air now. He doesn't want to just fill you for that. He wants to fill you for walking out these doors and driving down interstate. He wants to fill you for everyday, boring, normal life. And what happens is... We, I think we miss that memo, and we feel like we've got to have separate lives. There's got to be church me. There's got to be work me. There's got to be home me. There's got to be dad me. There's got to be husband me. And we separate our lives, and we live these fractured lives, and God wants to get rid of those boundaries and fill every aspect of our lives. So there's a seamless, a seamless me, okay, where... I'm filled with the Spirit to be here at church. I'm filled with the Spirit to speak here at church. I'm filled with the Spirit to walk out the doors of church. I'm filled with the Spirit to go eat 
food. I'm filled with the Spirit to go interact with everyday people in my life. I'm filled with the Spirit to go sit on the couch with my wife this afternoon. Okay? I'm filled with the Spirit to help my son assemble one of his Christmas presents this afternoon. Okay? I'm filled with the Spirit in every aspect, and it's, it's doing away with these, right? And so when we talk about hearing God's voice, I don't want you to think that it's like, it's like this, you know, I saw the heavens parting and the Son of Man was descending on the throne. And No, no. But we also got to keep it from being, well, I don't know, was that God or did I just eat too many tacos today? Okay? We don't want to over-spiritualize it and we don't want to de-spiritualize it. And so what I'm hoping today is I want to bring some analogies that will help kind of demystify this concept of being able to hear God's voice. Okay? And I'm hoping that I can do it through these four brave souls, Trisha included, up in front here today. Okay? And so I, I, I want to use analogies. I don't want to minimize the fact, though, that you are hearing from God. Okay, I don't want to minimize that fact. It is God who we're going to be talking to. But I want you to realize some things that he is talking, and he is talking to you, and it's time for you and I both to start to tap into what it is that he's speaking. Okay, And the reality is God's willing to speak to all of us. And I remember kind of starting on this uh, journey not that long ago, and Kirk, maybe you remember this story or not, but we were at a men's retreat at Nisadak Bible Camp, and Kirk and I were sharing a room and sleeping in our separate twin beds, and I'm looking up at the ceiling, and, I'm, and Kirk was just, I don't know, asking me what, what uh, the next year has in store for me kind of thing. And I, I told him, you know, I'm, I'm fasting. I'm fasting because I want to hear God's voice. And I think that was the start of that journey for me, to realize that God had been speaking to me all along. It was a process of learning to recognize it, though. But it started with the desire, okay? And that's what I want to do today, is I want to make sure to cultivate a desire in you to be led by the Spirit of God. I want to cultivate in you a desire to hear the voice of God. But I also want to make sure that I give you tools to be able to do that. Okay? But it started with a desire. My recognition of God's voice in my life started with my desire to hear God's voice. Okay? And that's where it needs to start for you, or that's where I hope it's going to start with you for today. And so we're going to cover these four or five key questions. Who can hear God's voice? What does God's voice sound like? How does God speak to us? How do we know if it's God's voice or not? And why do we need God's voice? You ready? You ready? You ready? You ready? They're ready. Like it or not, here we go. So first key question, kiddos, who can hear God's voice? Who wants to answer that? Colton? Us. <laughs> us, indeed. Us. But who does us include, Colton? Just two people. Just you and I? You and everybody. Oh, you and everybody, says Colton. Yeah, who can hear God's voice? And we talk about this slide. Maddie or Noah, who wants to talk about this slide right here? Um, it's the sheep. What's important about the sheep? They're like us, and Jesus is the shepherd. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and so we do, here, sheepy, 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 <laughs> right? Right? When, when uh, shepherds would get together and graze their sheep, they would graze them all together. But how do you sort sheep? without branding or ear tags, right? How do you do that, Colton? They know which voice is which. 
They know which voice is which. Now, I don't know if you know the intelligence level of a sheep, okay? But you might have a perspective that they're kind of dumb, but even a dumb sheep can recognize its master's voice, okay? And so you might consider yourself a dumb Christian, but at least you can still hopefully recognize your master's voice or your shepherd's voice. Don't consider yourself a dumb Christian. You're not a dumb Christian, okay? 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 And so it's this idea that my sheep hear my voice. This is from John 10, 27. This is from the New King James Version. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. See, we can hear his voice, but the reality is we also because we can hear God's voice, we choose how to respond to him and what he's saying to us. And we'll talk a little bit more about this. And the reality is you've got to realize, and this is something that I teach these kiddos, is God is always speaking. God is always speaking. He is always speaking, okay? And he is always speaking to his people. And so we've got to get to the situation where we dial in to what he's saying. I remember when uh, Trisha and I were on vacation this past October, and I was uh, just, I don't know, thinking, praying, reading the Bible, and I got this idea of like, kind of like, I don't know if you remember those old school transistor radios, and you had all these knobs, right, and you had to adjust the knobs just right to get the right frequency, and it's, and it's finding that right frequency, Realizing God is speaking out there, we need to tune into his frequency. Okay, we need to tune into what he is speaking to us. And we got to get rid of what I like to call interference in our lives. Okay, to help us to hear his voice more clearly. Okay, and so the reality is God's always speaking and he's always speaking to us and we are his sheep and we can hear his voice and he knows us. What does God's voice sound like? Who wants to answer that question? No, you want to answer that one for us? Oh, he says no. A whisper. A whisper, Maddie says. God's voice sounds like a whisper. And there's this great analogy in Scripture where Elijah is desiring connection with God, which seems crazy because he just got done with the big old showdown with the prophets of Baal. Do you remember that story? I don't know if you remember that story. But Elijah's in this big showdown with these prophets of Baal where God sends down fire and destroys uh, the sacrifice and, and all the prophets of Baal are scattered and slaughtered and, and uh, Elijah shows that God is the one true God and there's this huge moment. And right after that big moment, Elijah gets scared and terrified and runs away. And he runs to a place called Mount Horeb. And you may know Mount Horeb by its other name, Mount Sinai. And there's significance here because in Mount Horeb or on Mount Sinai, Moses was desperate for a connection with God. And he asked God, show me your glory. And we find Elijah in 1 Kings 19 doing the same thing. Asking God, show me yourself. He wants connection. He saw God's power, but he's desiring the connection with God. And the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind came. Was God in the wind, kiddos? 
wasn't in the wind. The wind passes by and tears the mountain apart, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. Was God in the earthquake? No. No, God wasn't in the earthquake either. Oh, my goodness. Well, then what in the world? So then the earthquake passes by, and then there was this huge fire, right? Was God in the fire? Yes. He was? No. Oh, okay. All right. He wasn't in the fire either. He wasn't in the fire either. And what I see here is I see all ways that God could have moved. And maybe God had moved in the past based on Elijah's experience. But the reality is, if we keep looking for windstorms, earthquakes, and fires to get us to connect with God, there's a problem in our connection. You can't maintain that type of connection. Imagine if your relationship with your husband and wife was only when you had big events, huge events, right? What kind of a relationship would you have with your wife or your husband? We got together for a funeral. We got together for a kid's birthday. We got together for uh, a Christmas dinner, right? There's, that's not a real connection, but yet we try to do that with God. I got together with God on Sunday. And then I got together with him again on Sunday. And then I went to church on Easter. Or I went to the Thanksgiving service. Right? And we base our connection on big events. And that's what Elijah was doing. That's why Elijah was feeling like he didn't have a connection with God. How could Elijah feel like he doesn't have a connection with God? He just called down fire from heaven and burned up a sacrifice and right in the face of the prophets of Baal. How could he feel like he doesn't have connection? Because he was living from big event to big event to big event to big event. And God wanted him to realize the big events are great, but it's the daily, daily connection that he desires. And then finally... Where did God's voice show up? Where did it show up? Maddie, where did it show up? A whisper. In the whisper, in the whisper. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face. Why is he pulling his cloak over his face? Because God had bad breath. What happens if you see God's glory? You're going to die on the spot, right? Okay? And so Elijah has to, he has to cover over his face. But he knew the whisper was God. And so that's why he's pulling the cloak over his face and stepping out of the mountain. It wasn't the earthquake. It wasn't the wind. It wasn't the fire. It was that gentle whisper of God. And we tend to filter. And sometimes something that I had to clear up for myself and maybe you have to do this too, is we tend to filter um, God's voice through our experiences with different father or mother figures in our lives, okay? And I don't mean that, I don't say that to say that your parents are evil, okay? I'm not saying that, or I'm not saying that my parents are evil either, okay? But I tend, we tend to think that God's voice sounds like our parents' voice and how our parents trained us and taught us, maybe that's how God is going to train us or teach us. But how many of you know that your parents aren't perfect? Okay? Okay? I know I'm not perfect. And so I know that there are times when I've trained my children, trained my children in the way that I knew how, 
and I gave them a skewed perspective of how God trains us, okay? And so we've got to understand that God, we can't filter his voice through those figures in our lives. And God's created us to have this intimate connection with him, but it's hard to have that kind of a relationship when you're living from big event to big event or when you think God only shouts. Could you imagine in your relationship with Stan, Marilyn, if the only time Stan talked to you, he was shouting at you? Like, how great would that be? Exactly. No, you don't want connection like that. And so we can't ascribe that kind of voice to God. It's a gentle whisper. How does God speak to us? So we know his voice sounds like a whisper, but how does he speak to us? Noah, you take the microphone for a second. Do you remember this? How God speaks to us? What's that called? A gentle touch. A gentle touch. It's an, another word? A nudge. A nudge. A nudge. A nudge. Maddie, do you remember what the other one was? Feeling. Feeling. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to give us that gentle touch. He's going to give us that nudge. Now, God can use, let me just clarify something here. God can use external methods to communicate to us. He can. But what we're going to focus on in our talk today is the inner voice of God. Okay? And the inner voice requires sensitivity. And the inner voice requires being connected. Okay? And so we're going to get rid of, I don't know if you ever think about this, but maybe you think back to Exodus when the Israelites had the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire to guide them. And maybe you're weird like me sometimes and you think, God, that would be so easy if you would just, you know, use pillars again for me. Should I go? Should I stay? Should I do this? Should I not do this? But God knows that the stronger connection requires an inner voice. And that's what we're going to focus on. So we're not going to worry about letting out fleeces and leaving tests for God. And God, if you fulfill this test, then I'll do what, what I feel you're calling me to do. No, 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 no. We want to take this step. It's a gentle nudge, okay? And this comes from Romans chapter 8, 15 through 16. This is in the New King James Version. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. God's spirit is going to talk to our spirit and it's this gentle nudge that we're going to feel. It's just a little poke. It's this little, it's this little notion, okay? And God gives us these things called, we tell the kiddos, we call them impressions or feelings. And so we teach our kiddos that, that our spirit is right here. Rub yourself right here. We make our kids rub ourselves, themselves right here. Some of you don't want to rub your belly. Sorry, that's all right. That's all right. I can be the only weirdo here, okay? Okay? It's this gut feeling, but it's not an emotion. There's a difference between your feelings and your emotions. Okay? God's going to give you a feeling, but your emotion is deceptive. He's going to give you this gut feeling, and, it's, and we try to teach it to our kids like this. Okay? Who wants to talk about the streetlights here? The green light means go, the yellow light means wait a minute, and the red light means stop. Yeah, so when we get a feeling from God, sometimes it's a green light. What would a green light feel like, Maddie? What would a green light feel like? Um, calm? 
Or it could be calm or peaceful. You bet. How else could a green light feel, Colton? That you should probably do it. You should probably do it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or we talk about it like excitement. Excitement. A green light is excitement. Okay? I'm excited about this. Versus a yellow light. How does a yellow light feel? Maddie, how does a yellow light feel? Um... You don't know? Question mark? Yeah, kind of like a question mark. Yeah, yellow light's going to feel a little bit like a question mark. Like, I don't know. I don't know. This seems like a good idea, but I just don't know. Okay? And I was thinking about this last night, and I had a conversation with an uncle of mine yesterday, and he was asking me about when I felt called to the ministry. Okay? And that was a hard question for me to answer because I feel like it's something that's God's placed on my life forever. Okay? And, but I never went to seminary. And so I told him that my freshman year of college, I was playing football for Moorhead, and I was really interested in doing ministry stuff. And so I started reaching out to Trinity Bible College. I reached out to their coaching staff first just to see what would happen as far as my NCAA eligibility and whether or not I'd be able to play football for them or not. And so, but I, like, it was weird because it's like, I'm feeling called to the ministry. And so the thing should, it should seem natural that I should go to seminary. But when I was talking with that coach and he was replying back, I just, I had this, it wasn't like excitement. It wasn't like, yes, I'm going to do this. Yes, I need to go there. Yes, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to start doing seminary. It was this, uh, slow down, Stephen. Slow down. Take this yellow light, lean in to me, and listen a little bit more. Versus a red light, how does a red light feel? What's a red, oh, Noah, go ahead. Red light, what's a red light mean? Stop what you're doing. Stop what you're doing. No way. No way. And that yellow light stayed there. And so I took time and I started praying and I asked God and I leaned in and eventually it came to a a red light and it was like, no, you don't need to go to Trinity. But then all of a sudden I was getting ready for football that next fall. And all of a sudden I was getting a yellow light. Like I should be excited about football. I should be excited to play football. I should be excited to do football. But I was getting this yellow light. And so I paused and I leaned in. And I prayed and I asked God. And then eventually it was a red light to football. And so like, what in the world am I supposed to do? Well, I stayed at Moorhead. Great news is that fall, instead of playing football, I did a co-ed flag football league and met my gorgeous wife. And it's great. Like, and, and, and it's all about paying attention to these signals that God's giving you, okay? And something Trisha said to me last night is, uh, is we have to learn to be comfortable with question marks in our lives. Like, like, we are fine with green lights. All right, God, yes, go. All right, I'm going. Perfect, I'm excited. This is, this is what I'm supposed to do. And we're comfortable even with red lights. Oh, I guess God said no. He closes the door there. The light we dislike the most, I don't know if this is true for you, but it's true for me. The light I dislike the most is the yellow light. But the reality is the yellow light is where we live the majority of our life. 
And we spend a lot of times in these question marks, and the question mark is an opportunity for connection with God. It's an opportunity for you to lean into him to find out why you're getting a yellow light. I'm fine with the green light. Yes, I'm fine with the red light. Okay, I guess not. The yellow light, though, is where we live, and we've got to get comfortable with those question marks because it, they create opportunities for us to lean in. How do we know if it's God's voice, though? Ooh, uh-oh, Maddie raised her hand. Sorry, buddy. I know. If it's gentle. If it's gentle, okay, that helps us to know if it's God's voice. Raw, 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 raw. That's not God? Oh, shoot. Okay. How do we know it's God's voice, Colton? If it's loud, it's Satan. If it's, if it's a whisper, then it's God. <laughs> can God speak loud in our lives, though? No. You bet he can. You bet he can. You bet he can. And so we're still working out some of the kinks here. No worries. But I'm still working out some of the kinks, and you're probably still working out some of the kinks. Okay? All right? And so how do we know if it's God's voice, right? I get that question mark. I get that yellow light, or I get that green light, or I get that red light. Well, how do I know if it's God's voice? Well, it has to do with something that I like to call proximity. That's how I know or learn to know if it's God's voice. See, our ability to discern and recognize the voice of God in our lives is dependent upon our closeness to him and the closeness of our relationship with him. Okay, I was thinking about this. Um, Kiddos will call us, okay? And I'll get a phone call. Uh, and I'll pick it up, and I'll say, hello, and right away, hey, Daddy. Okay? Is it Colton? Is it Maddie? Is it Elliot? Right? Because I don't know if you have this with your kids, but my kids, they kind of sound the same on the phone. Okay? They sound the same. Okay? So how do I know which kiddo it is? I could come right out and say, who is this? Right? Right? Or they could come right out and say, Daddy, this is Maddie, or Daddy, this is Colton, okay? But oftentimes, I just got to listen a little bit longer to know who it is. Because here's the deal, I know Maddie, and so I know what kind of a conversation she's going to have with me. And I know Colton, and I know what kind of a conversation he's going to have with me. And so all it takes is for me to just listen a little bit longer to know who I'm speaking to. And the same rule applies for God. All we got to do is listen a little bit longer to know whether it's God talking to us or not. And we get so much in a hurry. We're looking so fast and furious for red lights and green lights, but we live in the zone of yellow lights. And what we need to do is slow down and listen and linger to find out if this is God's voice. But doesn't a week seem agonizing? And doesn't a day seem like forever? But in the realm of the eternity of God, what is it really? What is six months? What's 150 years in the eyes of God? Right? And we just get so caught up and fired up. I need this answer by tonight, Lord. Sorry, he wants you to linger a little bit longer. So let it settle and keep listening and let the conversation carry on, and you'll figure out what he's actually speaking to you. So how do we know if it's God's voice? And Trisha and I teach this to our kiddos using kind of this rope analogy. 
and I forgot my rope. I'm sorry, babe. Okay? But it's this idea that we are connected to God. Okay? We are connected to God, but we also choose the distance that that connection has to cover. Okay? And so I could be right close to Trisha here. Hold my finger. Don't pull it, though. <laughs> pull my Kidding. finger. Sorry. Oh, I know. I shouldn't pull teach my, my kids stuff like that, but what happens? All right. So I have Trisha holding on to my finger. When we're close like this, just a little. Do you feel that? Just a little. Do you see me doing anything, though? No, no. But, but because of the proximity, just a little, 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 little movement, just a little, the slightest movement is going to be discernible by her, okay? Versus a connection over a distance, now I'm going to have to do more to get her attention. And so we teach it to the kiddos using a rope, and so they'll be close to us, and we'll have the rope, and we'll just say, okay, do you feel that? Do you feel that? And just give a little tug on the rope, and then let out some more rope, okay? And then do you feel that? Do you feel that? And the longer the distance gets, the harder it is to know if it's God or if it's tacos, Okay, And so the reality is that my proximity, my proximity determines whether I know whether it's God's voice or not. But who's responsible for the proximity to God? We are. We are. Do you realize that God has already done everything he can to get as close to you as humanly possible? He has gone to great extents to give you access to him. How so? Well, he killed himself for you, right? He died on the cross for the sake of you to have access to him. He has already gone to at the extreme length to create connection. So then any distance that I have between myself and God is based on my decision-making and what I'm doing in the process, okay? And so we want to make sure that we understand that we have that connection to God. And this comes from Psalm 73, 28. This is from the New Living Translation. But as for me, how good it is to be near to God. I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter, and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things that you do. I am going to do everything I can on my end of the bargain to maintain proximity. And we talked to our kiddos about this with magnets, right? Magnets work to attract metallic objects. But from a distance, that magnet is limited on what it's going to attract. The closer that magnet gets to something metallic, the stronger that connection and that force becomes. Okay? And that's not to say that God is weak and he can't draw us from all over the place because he is strong and he will draw us from all over the place. But it's our choice to stay in proximity to him to maintain our connection with him. And so how he's given us full access, but what are we doing to maintain our end of the relationship? And something that uh, we've taught in marriage counseling, because it was taught to us, a lot of times I think we think that uh, a marriage is 50-50, right? Husband gives 50% and wife gives 50%, right? And together we make 100%. 
Well, the reality is a 50-50 marriage, if you give 50% at your work, how long are you going to stay on the workforce? You're going to get fired pretty quickly. Okay? And so if you're only giving 50% in your relationship or your marriage, the reality is you're creating a deficit. God's given 100%. How about you give him 100% in return, right? And we're called to leave every aspect of our lives open to his influence and the influence of the Holy Spirit. There can be no separation, no limitations, no curtains or veils. And we've got to get out of this habit of creating barriers and boundaries between different facets of our lives. That's not meant to be. That is not meant to be. We've got to maintain our connection and our proximity to him. And I think about this with the story of King Saul. And, you know, King Saul had a great start. And King Saul had a lot of promise. But the problem with King Saul is he felt like he had to keep God separate from kingship. And the two were meant to be intertwined. And it got to be where King Saul would try to flip God on and flip God off like a switch, right? Okay? Like this light switch back here. This is going to kill some of you. You're going to hate this, right? But this is how King Saul would lead his life. How many of you are on the edge of your seat going, please stop flipping the switches, right? What were you told as a kid when you flipped the switch on and off? What's it going to do? It costs money, you bet. It's going to cost money. It's going to burn those bulbs out, kids, right? And that's eventually what happened to King Saul. His bulbs got burned out, and he didn't know if the switch was on or if the switch was off. He couldn't tell anymore. And we got to maintain our proximity, And we got to stop saying, okay, God, all right, I'm going to leave you at home today because I got to go to this meeting. Or God, I'm going to leave you at home today because I really want to do this. And I know you don't want me to do this, but I really want to do this. And so I'm going to do this, but I'm just going to flip you off for right now. Okay. And we flip God on and flip God off and flip him on and flip him off. And the reality is he's always meant to be in our lives fully on. Okay. And the only distance between me and God, this is something that I've, I know I've preached here before, but the only distance between me and God is the one that I put there through my disobedience. I'm creating distance. Why do we need God's voice in our lives? Why do we need God's voice in our lives? Any of you kiddos want to try to answer that question? Why do we need God's voice in our lives? Oh dear, who's it going to be? So that we're not bad. Oh, so we're not bad. Okay, I like that answer. Why else do we need God's voice in our lives? So that we don't make bad choices. So we don't make bad bad choices. Okay, okay. Well, one of the reasons why I believe we need God's voice in our lives, and we've talked about this just as recent as last week in Sunday school, God's voice brings revelation. Okay? He brings revelation to us. Okay, what do you see? What do you see there? You guys don't answer it because I know you know the answer. What do you guys see? Anybody brave enough? Tell me what you see. All right, Dave sees a shoe. Marilyn sees a shoe. Anybody else see something else? No, you know the answer, cheater. Anybody else see something else? How many of you see a shoe now that they said it was a shoe? Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Okay. I'll be honest with you. It's not a shoe. Why do we need God's voice in our lives? Because we tend to focus on the small, insignificant details that we experience on a day-to-day basis. 
And we've got to have God's voice in our lives to help us to see that there's a bigger picture out there. And we've got to get our focus off of our circumstances and stop seeing the small thing and assuming that that's what it's got to be and i got to run with it. And we got confirmation. Dave saw a shoe. Marilyn saw a shoe. It must be a shoe. And so we're going to go. i got confirmation today that it's definitely a shoe. Hold on. Wait a minute. Holy Spirit, reveal there's a bigger picture out there. And something that I tell my kiddos is there's more to the, finish the thought for me, Maddie, there's more to the story. There's more to the story. There's more to the story. We see this little thing and we think that's what it's got to be. It's got to be that and it's got to be this. No, there's more to the story and Holy Spirit speaks into our lives to show us that there is a bigger picture. And I love this verse from 1 Corinthians 13, 12. This is from the Amplified Classic Version. It says, for we know we're looking right now in a mirror that gives only a dim or a blurred reflection of a reality, something that seems like a riddle or an enigma. But then once our perfection comes, we shall see in reality and see face to face. So I now know in part imperfectly, but then I shall know and understand fully and clearly, even in the same manner as I have been fully and clearly known and understood. What is Paul trying to say here? He's saying without revelation from the Holy Spirit, without spiritual maturity, without connection from the Father, you're going to see things partially. And you need the Holy Spirit to guide you. This is from John 16, verse 13 in the ESV. When the Spirit of truth comes, this is Jesus talking to his disciples, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He's going to guide you and me into all truth. Being led by the Spirit allows us to see that there's more to the story. Okay? And being led by the Spirit allows us to see that there's more to the story because it's normal for us to make decisions and assumptions based on what we see. And now because somebody said it was a shoe and somebody else said it was a shoe, now it's definitely a shoe, but Holy Spirit needs to come on and say, wait a second, no. There's more to the story. And that's something that I want to speak over you as you get ready for... 2019, oofda, as you're getting ready for 2019, what are some things that you need to see the bigger picture on that 2018 left unanswered in your life? Because there are some things that 2018 left on the table and you get to decide how you're going to lean into God to clear those things up. Ask for the Holy Spirit to give you some revelation to help you to see the bigger picture, okay? Being led by the Spirit allows us to see there's more to the story. It means giving us a big picture mindset, okay? Realizing there's more to the story. And I thought about this Kirk left off in his sermon last week in Luke chapter 1 with uh, Simeon. You remember the story of Simeon? Simeon was this old guy, right? And he sees just a baby, Right? Just a baby with his mom and dad here to get the temple things that had to happen with babies in the temple. I don't know, right? He's being presented, right? It's just a baby. It's probably one of a hundred other babies in the temple on this day, okay? And so here's Simeon, and, and, and to everybody else, it looked like a guy, a girl, and a kid. Some guy, 
some girl and some kid, right? But through the Holy Spirit, Simeon saw there was more to the story. And was it just some random kid that he saw? Who did he see in the temple? Who did Simeon see in the temple? Who wants to answer that? Matt, do you want to answer it? Who was it that Simeon saw? Jesus. Jesus, yeah. Jesus. And not only that, but he, he makes this proclamation about this baby who's going to be the Messiah, the Savior of the world, who's going to bring the salvation to Israel. And he sees that when he sees a baby. Holy Spirit helped him to see the bigger picture. On the flip side, what did Judas see? That messes with me a little bit. Right? Judas, one of Jesus' disciples, how could he not have seen what Simeon saw? Right? Simeon saw Jesus for who he really was as a baby, and Judas couldn't see Jesus for who he was when he was with him daily. Right? How is that possible? Because realize Judas wouldn't have sold Jesus out if he knew him as the Savior of the world. I mean, can we all agree on that? Like, Judas, if Judas knew that Jesus was really the Savior of the world, he wouldn't have sold Jesus out. He would have seen right away that this is not the right thing to do, right? But Judas made this assumption about Jesus based on what he was seeing and what he was expecting from God. And it took, takes the Holy Spirit to give us the bigger picture, right? So key concepts, just want to review these. Who can hear God's voice? Everyone. We're all God's sheep. Okay? What does his voice sound like? It sounds like a whisper. How does he speak to us? He gives us those little nudges, right? He gives us those impressions, those feelings. How do we know if it's God's voice? Well, that's dependent on our relationship with him. The closer we are in our relationship to him, the easier it's going to be for us to discern whether it's God's voice or not. And then why do we need God's voice? Well, that comes down to, that comes down to revelation for our lives. Okay, and so I was thinking about you know closing this off and uh, my junior year of college. I had this pretty gal that I liked, and uh, and she was taking. Oh, I he yeah I know way to one up me there, buddy. Okay, <laughs> Trisha was going to take this class called ballroom dance ballroom dance because a friend of hers wanted to take this class ballroom dance and so I decided because I was a young bloke in love I decided that I was going to surprise her by taking this ballroom dance class with her do you remember this story baby oh yeah oh yeah right and so we were going to take this ballroom dance class together and needless to say it was magical every day was magical more and more we grew closer and closer together our, our teacher asked Trisha and I if we would perform at a dance recital. Don't worry, I'm not going to make you dance with me right now, okay? <laughs> okay, but our teacher asked if we would perform at a dance recital, and we needed to perform a waltz, okay? And so we agreed that we were going to do it, mostly because I was excited for the chance to be close to her more frequently. But it took, it took a lot of practice, and it took a lot of patience, and it took a lot of trust, and it took a lot of closeness to perfect that dance. And that's the reality of the Christian life, okay? We are in a dance with the Holy Spirit, 
okay? And we need closeness, and we need patience, and we need practice, and we need trust to be led by him, okay? And again, a whole purpose that I wanted to share with you guys today was this idea, I want to cultivate within you a desire. It starts with a desire, you want to be led, and then hopefully through the lessons today, maybe you've got some tools now that can help you to get better at being led and hearing God's voice in your life.